This is Andrew Wilkes. This is Leah Wilkes. And this is Theology on Fire. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, we're so excited. We're, we're about to be two months old as a podcast, and I just saw we passed up the 1,500 download mark, which is massive. Woohoo! Hallelujah. And uh, we are actually getting downloads from nearly two dozen countries, which is so exciting because Jesus wants the gospel to go out into all the world. And uh, if we can be a part of that in any way, it's such an honor, such a blessing. Amen. It's so exciting. I know there was Indonesia on there and Bonnie Scotland. So, Yaratha, welcome. Thank you for listening. And uh, we're, yeah, we're just excited that you're here. If you're new, welcome. And today we're going to move on to our topic of the day, and that is repentance. What is it? I know this seems like a very simple topic. It is very foundational. I think it would be very easy to say, oh, I'm not going to listen to that one. I know what repentance is. But I just want to encourage you just to listen along. This is a very important topic. It's important to know what it really is and how we can repent biblically. Amen. Absolutely. I feel like a lot of these terms can be just tossed around. Maybe you come from a Catholic background and you heard it one way, or maybe you've been part of a very fundamental church that might have been a bit more legalistic and you heard another way. So let's come to the Word of God and find out what God says about repentance. Amen. So repent. We see this word a lot in the Bible. In the Old Testament, it's often uh, the term norcam, which means to sigh or breathe strongly and just be sorry. Just, oh, why did I do this? I, I have great regret or great sorrow. But in the New Testament, we're going to be talking about this kind of repentance, and it's metanoheo, and it means to think differently or reconsider. So it's a changing of mind and heart. So let's look at John's baptism, and there are some really clear pieces that teach us what repentance is all about. So it says this in uh, Matthew 3, verse 1, In those days John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, Repent! For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So this is, we can see right away that repentance is related to the fact that God's kingdom is coming. He's coming. So you need to change your mind. Change your mind about what? Well, it says in verse 5, Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region about the Jordan were going out to him, to John the Baptist, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. So you need to change your mind about your sins because God's coming, and he's coming with judgment in his hand. It says he even begins to rebuke the religious people that come, and he asks them, who's warned you to flee from the wrath to come? And he even says this, that every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Wow, <laughs> these are strong words. And he said, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who's coming after me is mightier than me. So he's speaking about Jesus. And, and so this is just really, it's, it's kind of frightening. You know, it's real. God's coming. You've sinned against him. And you need to change your mind because he's got wrath in his hands. Amen. So we can see there the reason to repent or some of the reason to repent. And I just want to move on here. This is now Jesus ministering. It's in Mark 1, 14. It says, Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Here was Jesus himself preaching the gospel, going around telling anyone who would listen, Metanaheo, repent. 
And that makes me think of Acts 17.30. You know, you've got Paul, he's speaking to these people. They don't know God. But he says this to them, the time of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. So all people everywhere to repent, everyone. Amen. And if he's asking everyone, all people on earth to repent, if that's his requirement, his request, you know, God is not a liar. He's not a man that he should lie. He's not a tease. So that means everyone on earth has the ability to repent. Yes, and Romans makes it extremely clear. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Or God wills that none should perish and all should come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. John 3.16, God so loved the world. Very clear. Amen. Very clear. So how does one repent? You know, what, what does that mean? What does it truly mean to repent? And I just want to make it very simple, just right down to the basics, taking all the layers off. True repentance is agreeing with God about your sinful state. It's, it's freeing. There's no other works that come with it, no other baggage. It's just pure faith. I am a sinner and I need a savior. I repent of who I am, of what I am, and I'm turning to the Lord in faith. I've heard some open-air preachers basically beat people practically to death with the word repent. Uh, I mean, they just say, repent, 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 but they don't actually preach the gospel. They just say, you're a sinner, you're a sinner, you're a sinner. And the sinner is actually, yes, they're right. The person is a sinner. But what do they do with that sin? Do they have to somehow be sorry enough and clean up and quit smoking or looking at pornography? Or, I mean, what are they going to do to be saved? Agreeing with God. I mean, if we could, open your preaching is good. But if it's got to be done rightly. And this word has to be used rightly, the word repent. So, you know, the law of God, it kills you. Anyone who breaks the law of God, and that's everybody, death sentence. So what can you do? Agree with God that you're a sinner. Amen. And it, and it is true, you know, in Romans 3, we, we see the scripture, it says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We're all sinners. We, we all need a savior. Whether you are a drug addict or a heart surgeon, you are born in sin with a sin nature and you need a savior. But we need to come into repentance in faith. You can't separate the two. You know, you need faith to turn to the Lord and to believe that he hears you and that he wants to receive you. It's all by faith. It's not by works. It, it's not, oh, I need to do A, B, and C, and then I'll be right with the Lord. And I've heard so many people say that when I've talked to them on the streets or just wherever, just lost people. They're like, oh, you know, I, I'm going to just get this and that right first, and then I'm going to start coming to church. No, no, no. Jesus died on the cross. The sinless Son of God left heaven became a man, lived a sinless life, and gave himself for us. So what? You could come to the Lord and work a little bit for it. Just, oh, he, he didn't quite pay the price in full. There's this little bit at the end where you need to do some work. No, that's an insult. And that discredits what he did, which is pure and holy and everything. We can come to him in faith and have all of our sins paid for in full simply by having faith and believing in Christ. Amen. Acts 2, 37, 38, the day of Pentecost. Uh, Peter has preached a powerful message. These are the people that killed Jesus, that called for his death. Crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. 
But then they're cut to the heart, and they say, what shall we do? And Peter says to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He's saying, agree with God. Agree with him, the very one that you murdered, the very one you called for his death. You're a sinner, and he's the one to save you. And it's so sad, but there are so many people that they find this free gift of salvation so hard to accept and so hard to take in because surely it must cost us something. Surely there's something in it that we must do, but there's not. It's just metanaheo, repent by faith, give yourself to the Lord. You know, it's not an excuse for sin. It's not an excuse for rebellion. You know, recently I saw, um, it's to do with Mardi Gras, and I saw this little plaque and it said, sin, confess, repeat. And it was just oh, such an insult to the grace and forgiveness of God. You know, that isn't what he has done. He hasn't just died on the cross so that we can just go to confession all the time and live a sinful life and never be changed. No, he died on the cross so that we could, in Second Corinthians 5, it says, become a new creation. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that means if they've come in faith and repented and been born again, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. You're new. You enter into a new state of being. You become new. Your reality changes. Jesus' sacrifice is complete. You you are made new. It doesn't mean you're perfect. You are perfect in the eyes of God in that you are covered in the blood of his son, Jesus. You are able to go to heaven. You are clothed in robes of righteousness. But you do you enter into a process of sanctification. That means being made holy. And you enter into that as a new creature and your desires change. You know, when I first was saved and came back to the Lord, you know, I remember going to high school and I cursed and immediately I felt convicted and I knew what I had said was wrong. But then I immediately was filled with joy because I knew, oh, wow, God is right there. God, my heavenly father just bent down and tapped me on the shoulder and told me, "Mm -mm, no, we don't say that. You're my daughter now. We don't act like that. And I was convicted, but also just filled with joy. I was like, oh, you're right here. And that was the beginnings of my life as a new creature and and, uh, being sanctified. Amen. You know, repentance, it is a part of coming to know Jesus uh, and, and coming to know him the first time through salvation, but we don't leave repentance after we're born again. In fact, I mean, the first couple of chapters in Revelation, Jesus is telling these churches to repent. Even the church in Ephesus, you work hard and you're patient and you endure. You can't, you have the best doctrine and teaching, he said, but you know, you forgot your first love. He said, remember from where you've fallen and repent, repent. So, I mean, he was talking to some awesome believers there that, I mean, if we saw them today, we'd be like, man, they are they are the Christians to emulate. But even Jesus was saying, you know, you're not perfect. And as believers, there are going to be shortcomings in our life. Amen. Even Paul had them. He said, the good that I wish that I would do, I don't do, and the bad that I wish I wouldn't have done, that's what I do. It's a struggle of flesh and walking in the Spirit, you know, but it's a, it's a walk of repentance, and we just have to keep 
humble and be soft and bring ourselves to the Lord. You know, when I do mess up, when I'm snappy, perhaps to my husband or when I fall into some pit of bitterness, just to come to the Lord and repent. So there's repentance for salvation, but then there's repentance and being repentant after salvation. That just means we're just being humble. And when we mess up and when we fail, we quickly come back to our Father and just say, oh God, forgive me. You know, in First John, it says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know, it isn't that we're like re-saved and re-saved and re-saved every time we sin. No, we're saved. We're his children. You know, he doesn't cast us away, but but we stay in a place of being repentant and soft. And, you know, some people could even take that and make that legalism, like, oh, I'm such a bad person. But we have to remember that this is tied to the grace of God as a believer. God's grace, his influence in my life is going to show me when I've done wrong. And he's going to lead me to the place where I confess that to him. Just like you're saying in Hebrews chapter 12, it says, And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. So I don't have to somehow search inside of me to find out where I'm messing right. up. He's going to tell me whenever I mess up. He's going he's gonna to come and he's going to discipline me because I'm his child. He says, don't be weary when reproved by him. So it's not a lack of God showing me when I do wrong. He's going to continually show yeah. me that I'm wrong. That's why he says, don't grow weary of it because... No matter how far along in this faith walk you are, you will never get away from seeing your need for the Savior. And, and you know, it says in verse 11, for, for the moment, for that moment when you are disciplined by God, you know, it, it doesn't feel good. It seems painful rather than pleasant. But later it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those that have been trained by it. So if you're a person and you've walked with Christ one year, two years, 30 years, but you have trouble confessing to others whenever you wrong them, a wrong attitude, a wrong thought. You're actually hurting yourself. You're hardening your heart, and it's it's not good. It may hurt your pride, but that's really what keeps believers, I think, from repenting a lot of times, especially people perhaps like in a position because you're afraid of what people will think of you. You're proud. But I remember my, my pastor, and I have the greatest respect for him, Lee Ship. And uh, years ago, when I had first come to the church that we're attending now, he made a comment among some men. It was not a vulgar comment, was nothing unclean or anything like that. But he came later to me and he said, I need to ask for your forgiveness because I was a bit flippant with my words in relation to what God's done in my life. And I just said, oh, absolutely. But I mean, that's made such a mark on me. My pastor who gets up there, who's asked to preach in all these places, came to me and asked me to forgive him. He repented. That's that's beautiful. Amen. That's humble. And that's what that's what's going to keep this life with the Lord exciting too. If we just stay in that place of repentance, it's it's just like saying that we stay in a place of dependence, dependence on the Lord, dependence on the Holy Spirit. Lord, I can't do this. I am not able. I am very prone to bitterness. I am prone to anger. Whatever it is, but Lord, I know that you, by your grace, 
can do great and mighty things through me and use me for your glory. And that's that's exciting. It's exciting to stay in that place of repentance, of humility, because it means then God says, yes, good. You're soft and pliable clay. I'm going to make such a good vessel out of you. I want to do great things with you. I want to fill you up and pour you out. You just stay soft and let me show you what we can do with your life. You know, when you put it that way, it makes me want to repent. It makes me want to so I can be near to him and so he can use my life. Amen. So just to recap and to close, if you don't remember anything else, just remember that to repent is to turn to the Lord and admit that you're a sinner in need of a Savior. Remember it for yourself as you walk with the Lord and remember it as you witness to other people and preach the gospel. Make sure that they understand it's free that it's not by works and make sure you preach it that way because it is and Jesus has paid the price in full. Lord, just thank you for your grace. Thank you for repentance. Thank you for the price that you paid. Lord, all of this is because of what you did on the cross. We don't take it lightly, Lord, but we do thank you that it is so free that you've given us this access and this way of forgiveness and this place of growth. Bless us in each of our lives. Amen. Thank you for joining us at Theology on Fire. Please subscribe so you won't miss new episodes. All of our information and contact details can be found at theologyonfire.org.